Is Christ a failed prophet? Is Christ a failed prophet? Is a worthwhile question considering the gospel that we just read. Seems like Jesus has predicted the end of the world within this generation. That is the generation of the apostles. The answer to this question is no. Because Christ here is speaking not of the destruction of the world, but of the destruction of the temple. That did happen within this generation, a generation being 40 years long. Christ speaking around the year 30 A.D., the temple being destroyed in the year 70 A.D. But this generation will not pass away before these things happen. But then the question is, why do we care? Why are we reading this gospel? This has already occurred. And the reason is because the destruction of the temple and the destruction of the world and the destruction of Christ's body are all intertwined. Because Christ's body exists as the temple of the Holy Spirit and is destroyed and brought back in three days in his resurrected body. The temple, destroyed in the year 70 AD, is resurrected in the sense with the church. And then the one that has yet to be destroyed is the world. And we profess every Sunday that the world will be destroyed and then a new heavens and a new earth and the world to come will be created. And so what are some of, before talking about the pastoral implications of this, what we should do, what Christ tells us to do upon the destruction of the world? What does the church believe about this? And the church rejects three ideas while confirming something. First, the church confirms that there will be a trial before the end of the world. And so, because of that, the church rejects one, millennialism, which is this thought that a uh, literal reading of the book of Revelation saying, within a thousand years, the world will be destroyed. As Christ says in the Gospel of Matthew, even the Son of Man knows not the hour or the day of when these things will happen. The second interpretation that the church declines is this kind of progressive ascendancy that as the church establishes his reign and basically we have to fix everything for Christ to come. If the world is not yet perfectly holy, then Christ will not come. The church rejects that. Thirdly, and, and I think most perniciously and things that we fall into most, is that the church rejects what's called a secular messianism. That there is a man or a movement or, I don't know, a philosophy, a way of life that promises some kind of redemption, salvation, that Christ doesn't. And that this will save the church. This will save the world. The church rejects all three of these things. And to the third one, the secular messianism that someone else can save us, this is what the scriptures call the Antichrist. That in the letter of first, in letter of first John, the one time that the Antichrist is actually mentioned, it is the spirit that rejects the divinity of Christ. That Christ alone can save. So anything or any thought that we have that says, well, no, something else can save or someone else can save and bring salvation, lasting happiness, redemption, 
that is not Christ. This is the spirit of the Antichrist. It is for God made man alone to save man and to make him like God. Now, the question is, if we don't know the day or the hour, what should we really do about preparing ourselves for the end of the world? And the only thing that Christ says is not to prepare a defense beforehand, but also by your perseverance you will secure your lives. And we're going to talk about that by your perseverance you will secure your lives. Christ is saying this in conjunction with that beatitude, that blessed are the meek for they shall inherit the earth. Because there's something about a patient person that can conquer themselves to where they are not conquered by the destruction of the world happening around them. Whether it be figurative, whether it's the destruction of my own world, or at the end of time when the destruction of the world will occur. There are three points that I want to make from the church fathers. Why patience is what Jesus describes for us to save ourselves whenever the world around us is being destroyed. First, because patience rules the soul and directs it in peace and bends and influences it as it pleases. A lot of times we pray for peace as if peace is this outside kind of gift simply that God gives and like we cross our fingers and we hope that it stumbles into our laps. But peace is first self-caused through patience and an ordering of my desires. That if I order myself rightly in putting God first, then the effect of that will be peace. It will be harmony within myself. And that only comes through patience. Through the hard work of making small sacrifices of putting God first in everything. Patience is what causes peace in the soul. And so for this reason, Christ says, whenever the destruction of the world is happening around us, again, whether at the end of time, whether it happens in our life or not, or whether figuratively, in that things around me are being destroyed, that patience will win me peace. Secondly, St. Augustine says, Because no one can keep the hope of a future life unless he have patience in the labors of the present one. No one can keep the hope of a future life unless he have patience in the labors of the present one. I have a weird appetite. I like liver. I think that liver is delicious. But I've had this liver in my freezer for a long time. And I know that I'm not gonna eat it tomorrow night. I definitely know I'm not gonna eat it tonight because I don't have the patience to defrost it. If I can acquire the patience to do that, then perhaps I'll know like, yeah, I'm gonna have some liver, you know? And I know that no one else will want it because no one else likes it. But if we do not have patience, then we cannot have hope in the life to come. If I do not place hope in the life to come and really savor it 
and anticipate life, the life to come in prayer by spending time with Jesus in prayer, then I cannot hope for the life to come. I simply can't. And then thirdly, from St. Gregory, that the possession of the soul consists of the virtue of patience. Because patience is the root and the guardian of all virtues. He says, quoting um, Proverbs 16.32, that the patient man is better than the courageous man. For he that ruleth his spirit is better than he that can taketh a city. Basically, that the taking of a city is like if someone were to conquer a city, a general, like Alexander the Great, were to conquer a city. It would be a less noble thing than a man conquering himself through patience. Through real patience, that is perseverance, not just simply being laissez-faire about the things that come my way, but actually fighting against evil patiently, then I'm able to conquer myself, to possess myself, and allow the kingdom of God to be built in within myself, to begin that work of sanctification, of becoming saintly. It is through patience that we govern ourselves and that the whole work of virtues then starts to flourish within us. And it is the impatient who are tossed about by all of their vices and are destroyed with the world that is destroyed around them, that are tossed about by the winds whenever things go south in their life, or whenever things go south in the end times, in the destruction of the world. And so we ask the Lord for that increase the gift of fortitude, that gift that includes patience, that is inspired by the Holy Spirit, so that we can begin to dwell in peace, that we can have hope in the life to come, and that we can begin that foundation of virtue building that will keep us united and strong in times of trial.